Hey everyone, one quick note before we begin. Sam is traveling today, so we recorded before Ken Rosenthal reported that Colby Rasmus would accept the Astros qualifying offer. In 17 minutes or so, you'll hear how well that worked out for me. So sit back, relax, and listen to both of us be wrong about baseball. Good morning, and welcome to episode 766 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I'm Ben Lindbergh of ESPN, joined, as always, by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus. Hello. Hello. Enthusiastic hello. Happy to be here, as always. I'm ready. Serious business. Yeah, this is a serious episode. This it feels like there are some stakes to this one. This is one that we've been looking forward to. I guess we can call it an annual tradition in that it is the second time that we've done this. It's the Jim Bowden annual free agent predictions draft, the over-under draft. Is there anything you want to say before we start? No. Okay. So every year for the past five years, I guess this is the fifth year he's done it, Jim Bowden has predicted free agent contracts and destinations and early on in his predicting he developed a reputation for being really really good at this and i have no idea whether that reputation is still justified it's kind of it does sort of feel like the secret sauce yeah right Nate silver secret sauce where seven years from now uh will quietly (laughs) withdraw yeah so i I am not going to pretend that Jim Bowden is the savant of predicting free agent prices. He was for one or maybe two off seasons, and I don't think anyone has looked into it since. I'm going to guess he's not the best at this by any significant margin. So we could do this with any of the other major media people who predict free agent prices. We but... could, but he did earn this. <laughs> he Look, did. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> If John Axford is any better at picking Oscar winners either. Yeah. But he, he earned the reputation. That's, That's right. the key thing. What doesn't matter whether he's any better than everybody else. He earned the reputation, and so we're going to keep giving it to him. Yes, we are. In perpetuity, probably. So Jim Bowden picked his top 50 free agents. He picked best fits. We don't care about the best fits. We are only interested In the projected contracts, he gives the length, he gives the annual average value. We are drafting differences, basically, from what Jim Bowden predicted. So we are going to pick, we're going to draft seven guys each, because we drafted seven guys each last year. I don't know why, but we're going to take seven guys each, and the goal is to accrue the greatest difference between Jim Bowden's predicted total value of their contract and their actual total value of their contract. So we have to predict the direction in which it will be different. So we have to say over, under, and that's it. We don't have to actually predict what the contract is. Our job is easy. We just get to sit here like Statler and Waldorf and say where he's wrong and cherry pick the the weirdest looking predictions. And then our... And what last year mm -hmm. we got, like, 
what, 13 of 14, we were on the right side or something like that? Yeah, I think so. So We did well. Yeah, we did pretty well. And and I think one of the two that, uh, I think the one that we missed was that we insisted that we each draft at least one over and at least one under because uh-huh. we were taking all the overs. Yeah, and we took So yeah. I, I missed, I missed the, uh, I missed the under, my under pick. Yes, you took Pablo Sandoval under and he ended up being actually uh yeah so he ended up being five million over bowden's prediction so i won this contest last year but it was pretty close i would say it was uh i i was 71 million uh, different from bowden's predictions and you were 57.75 million different from bowden's predictions so if the direction is if we get the direction wrong then it counts against us right but if you get the direction right then you just get as much as the difference is and our official statistician of effectively wild john chenier will probably keep track of this in the google doc which you can find in the facebook group file section links to all the ongoing and completed competitions that we've had so we're going to draft people that we think bowden is wrong about and i will say that just perusing the list Oh, Neither. you missed you missed Aoki as well. Ah, yeah. I still don't understand Aoki. I still the Giants declined his option. <laughs> I don't get it. What? Yeah. Why? Why does everyone hate Aoki? He he seems good. They had a they had a five and a half million dollar option on maybe they his maybe they I th- I thought for a second that maybe they declined the option so that they could give him a qualifying offer. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> But no, I don't get it. I don't yeah, know I mean, he was pretty has. good for them too. Like he's, he's always not, pretty good. He's always pretty good, and then he was pretty good for yeah. them. Like it's not like they could even be like, "Wow, well, we, you know, we were burned. Now the other twenty nine teams can take their chance at him." He was good for him. He got hurt, <laughs> yeah. but he was good for him. He had his exact career in one year. Like it was mm-hmm. exactly the same. Yeah, everything else. I just don't get it. I want to like raise money for him to get the amount that I think he should get, even though he's a multimillionaire. I'm, well, Ben, if I'm you ever, by it. if you ever get the big Mike Trout contract, the mm-hmm. first thing you can spend your money on yeah. is Noriyuki. That's right. I can give him what he deserves. Yeah. All right. So I will say that just perusing this list, and neither of us has done a, a ton of research, but I would say that he looks pretty good. On the whole, I don't know. Just based on what I remember from last year, last year I, was not good. I think. Yeah, there were fewer part, this year that I thought what when I thought. The thing, the thing about him is that, like, he nailed it that one year, right? Yeah. And then last year, I think he did pretty. I think I I sort of remember like it being pretty easy, right? It seemed because easy, and he I was guess low it on was. everything. Yeah. And it's because he doesn't have a system he just has himself on that day yeah and he's a very like he knows the game he knows the players he knows mm-hmm. knows the, people inside he, know, the game. Right, he knows the quote-unquote players as well the players mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah and, and so when he's focused he's pretty good but like if he wakes up on the wrong day and like like i really feel like this is the sort of thing where like he writes like he has a list of 50 and then he writes a number on number one Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, number two's got to be lower than that, and <laughs> number three's got to be lower than that. Yeah. And uh, and I and once you get off, it's like being one one number off on a Scantron test. Once mm-hmm. you're one off, 
then you can't recover. And I, my guess is that he just had whoever was the number one. Like, he probably had Max Scherzer too low. And then the rest of the time, he's like, oh, geez, I said this for Scherzer? Yeah. <laughs> right. So I will predict, an additional prediction is that neither of us will do as well as we did last year. Or that our our total, the winning total, will not be as high as it was last year. We should have the rule, again, that you must take at least one over and one under. Although I don't think that's, I don't think I'll have an issue with that. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, f- I feel like it's almost folly to take an under just because it seems like things are shaping up for there to be a lot of money spent this offseason. Dave Cameron wrote something fairly persuasive about how the weakness of next year's class, which we talked about on a recent show, combined with the fact that every team is competitive and every team is rich and the CBA negotiations are coming up and so teams might have some incentive not to be stingy. All of these factors seem to be coming together in an offseason that would be lots of money spent. On the other hand, there are also a lot of good free agents this year, so while there is a lot of demand, there's also a lot of supply. So I don't know, but I did have the same sort of reaction when I looked at his list. It did seem like there were unders. So we'll see. I don't know. Who's going first? Are we going to do a heads and tails and uh, test I'll, your uh, ability to predict whether uh, it's heads or yeah, tails now that, sure. you, now that you claim to be able to do Sounds that? Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. I'm going to flip and then I'm going to I'm going to call it. And then I'll tell you if I got it right. <laughs> okay. Now I have double the incentive to lie. Yeah. Like I've established that I'm not a liar because you always win the coin flip. Like I feel like people trust me. Mm-hmm. You trust me certainly. Mm-hmm. New listeners probably still don't trust me, but yeah. I, I generally lose this coin flip that I do blindly. I've established this is a you know I'm Nixon going to China, right? <laughs> but but now I have twice the incentive to lie, and this one's a bigger one. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna flip the coin and I'm gonna call it based on a sound. Okay. okay. Tails. Hang on. Uh, Tails. <laughs> so what was it about the sonic profile of that coin flip that told you? Or is it's it just little... it's so intuitive that you can't even analyze how you know? No, it's a little higher pitch. <laughs> really? Yeah. Huh. All right. I'm not. Like, I, there's no part. Have I ever told you the story about the guy with the M&Ms? I don't think so. All right. So I think... I think this was someone at camp. I think it was a camp counselor I had who had a friend that could tell what color an M&M was just Mm -hmm. by tasting it. So he'd close his eyes and someone would hand him an M&M and then he'd pop it in his mouth and then he'd call the color and his friends would go, ah, he did it again. (laughs) And this was this guy. I mean, like this guy. Like he would, he this like he'd like he'd go to camp, and like this would be his talent, and he'd go up on stage and do the talent show, and he'd always win, because no, like oh man, like what a right. Mm-hmm. So he goes through his whole childhood with this amazing skill, and then finally his friends admit that he actually can't, and they've just been <laughs> pretending to be excited <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> They just and the loud, you know, like he thinks they're getting progress. Like he, he's like nine in a row, and he thinks they're getting progressively more impressed. But they're really just like getting themselves into a frenzy at their idiot friend. <laughs> anyway, that's what this made me think of. I don't know why. This is not the same thing. No, uh, this is totally legitimate. Totally legitimate. <laughs> okay. uh, all right. 
I'm one for one on the coin flip. John Chenier, start a tab. <laughs> one for one on the coin flip. All right. So I go first. Okay. I might never have to pick second again. I'm getting all my <laughs> snake draft picking, non-snake draft uh, advantage back. Mm-hmm. All right. First pick I will take is Jason Hayward. Mm, okay. Who is projected at nine years and $207 million. Mm-hmm. And it's always, there's always this tricky thing where you're like, um, you're like, well, Prince Fielder got $214 million and that was three years ago and, or four years, three years ago and inflation and Prince Fielder had the bad body and all that. And so definitely Jason Hayward will get more. And you're kind of banking on nobody in the industry remembering how Prince Fielder turned out. Because mm-hmm. that was like, what GM would be like, well, I, I should give Hayward more than Prince Fielder. No, Prince Fielder was horrible under that contract for a while. And uh, it was a great achievement for Detroit to get rid of that contract. But all the same, if we're doing comps for superstars who hit free agency at a young age, mm-hmm. I think Fielder was 27 when he hit free agency. Cano was actually 30. He had turned mm. 30. Mm. Anyway, and so, you know, th- those guys were were in the 200s, well into the 200s, well over 20 whatever. And um and I think that uh while Hayward doesn't have quite the same classic superstar profile uh type of profile, uh youth is like just so valued in these guys' contracts. Mm-hmm. You saw it with uh, when B, one early episode in this podcast, BJ Upton was a, a free agent, and we talked about how of all the free agent center fielders that were available that year, there were like basically five guys who were all pretty good, uh, and BJ Upton was uh, by the previous year's war the worst, by the previous three years war the worst, by the previous five years war the worst. And yet he ended up getting a, a better contract than all but Josh Hamilton and like double what Pagan got, even though Pagan had been better. And and it was basically because B.J. Upton was young and people love young. So I'm taking Hayward at nine years, $207 million, taking the over. Hmm. Okay, that's aggressive, I would say. You wouldn't have picked that? I mean, if it, no, you, that wasn't on my board. Would you have taken the over or the under if I'd forced it on you? I might have taken the under. No kidding. Yeah. So that we had this exact conversation last year with my first pick, John Lester. Mm. And John Lester got the over. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I think I will take the over on Ben Zobrist. Ben yeah. Zobrist is projected for three years and $48 million. On my board. Yeah. He will turn 35 next May, so that's obviously... A consideration that limits his earning potential, but no qualifying offer, which helps a little bit. And I think we're past the point where Ben Zobrist is underrated, and maybe during this contract we'll get to a point where he's overrated, possibly, because it seems like he's building some some good clubhouse leader credibility. And he hasn't really shown much of a decline, and he's versatile and well i don't need to tell the the people who listen to this podcast why ben zobris is good but it seems to me that it would not be weird for him to get four years and if he did get three years then he would get more than 16 per yeah i mean like uh so just three months ago four months ago he got traded 
And in a sense, that kind of gives us a little bit of a marker of what his market value was. And, you know, like Johannes Cespedes also got traded, for instance, mm-hmm. at the same time. And they brought back fairly similar packages for fairly similar time frames. And they were both getting paid fairly similar salaries for the rest of the year. And I would personally, not being a prospect guy, but I would personally rather have the return that the A's got. Now, of course, Cespedes largely raised his value in the final two months. But just looking at what they what Bowden predicts for for Cespedes, it's like triple mm-hmm. what he has for Zobrist. And yeah, Zo- uh, Cespedes has increased his market rate since this trade. And I don't know if Zobrist has uh, or not, but I don't think an $80 million gap has... Uh, now, of course, age age yeah. matters a lot more for Cespedes' contract than it does for Zobrist, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe my whole point is illogical. But one thing that you can do that uh, always helps you beat the Bowden is <laughs> you just look at where he has the player ranked on his free agent rankings. And if he's lower than everybody else on that guy, then he's there's a decent chance he's predicting a lower contract for that guy. Because uh, at the end of the day, I do think that Bowden is mostly saying uh, what he thinks the guy is worth and what maybe he vaguely intuits. The end. I don't think he's polling 15 guys. Personally, I don't think he's polling 15. Maybe he is, but I don't think he's. So if he's the low man on Zobrist as a uh, player, mm-hmm. and he basically is, I've seen, I think I think Keith had Zobrist around the same spot, but most guys, have, most most of these uh, free agent rankings have had Zobrist around like number 10 or so, and he has Zobrist 21st. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good strategy there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, all right, so Zobrist, good one. Thank you. I was worried you were going to take my next pick. Which is? Colby Rasmus. Ah, uh, yeah, he was high on my board. I am taking the over on Colby Rasmus at two years and $22 million. By the way, Ben, we need to figure, if, if the guy accepts the qualifying offer. Hmm, I think, uh, I think then it counts as the total, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. Colby Rasmus, two years and $22 million. Uh, I'm taking the over. I might have taken the, honestly, like I might have taken the over before the postseason. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know how much the postseason matters, but I mean we've already said that it doesn't on another guy, <laughs> and yet here I am <laughs> claiming that it does when it suits me. <laughs> I mean you know he's young. It's another one where he's young. He's 29. He'll be 29 next year. Uh, he is coming off of a well above average year. He's had you know two good years in the last three. He's mm-hmm. uh, you know got a high a high floor, and. Um, and I don't know, it, f- it sort of feels to me like the difference between him and Murphy, where we didn't think that Murphy was, I didn't think Murphy was adding much value uh, in the postseason, is that Rasmus is kind of a guy that you look at and look for signs to see him break out. Like, we have seen sort of proof of concept that he can be a very good player. He's had kind of two star-ish years in his career. He comes from a, a very impressive kind of background. Uh, he's toolsy. And he's he's kind of a guy who has a you know a reasonably high floor and the potential for a high ceiling. And Murphy, you just don't they're like Murphy's Murphy, like mm-hmm. Murphy's Murphy. Nobody's ever gonna expect Murphy to break out. And yeah. so it's like no one's waiting for it, no one's looking for it, no one's pointing at a thing about him and going, "That's the thing that's gonna do it." He's just Murphy, right? And well, they, they were doing those things for for a week or two. 
No, the they were during for a week or two. People were going, "Wow, look at all those dingers!" <laughs> yeah, but, but there was oh, he changed his swing and his approach, and he's yeah, doing. He's not, he can't change his swing and his approach. He's Murphy. He's not like he doesn't have that in him. <laughs> like he does not have the ability. Like there is no way that Daniel Murphy is ever going to hit forty-five home runs. Never, no. right? No. There, there's also no way that Rasmus is, except maybe, like maybe like one in. 800 universes he does like you mm-hmm. can see it you can see it in there yeah so anyway so i'll take uh, i'll take rasmus i will say that his postseason slightly bad at least convinced one manager to pay a little bit more mm-hmm. yeah it's a good pick i might have taken that with my next pick it's possible that we're overrating how much people in baseball like colby rasmus like we did in the jerry krasnick poll right where we thought that they were gonna predict the opposite and they didn't i don't remember what the question was involving rasmus but we were way off on what the executives would think yeah so maybe we'll be way off on this also but it seems like a a good pick to me and does he even i mean if it's 222 does he even take the qualifying offer that i mean i don't well know, well what ha- no i mean what happened he doesn't know it's 222 uh-huh. he thinks it's right he yes. thinks it's 448 Right, and then he gets out there, and everybody goes, "I'm not giving up a pick for Colby Rasmus." Yeah, it's Colby Rasmus. Right, give me Murphy. I want Murphy. <laughs> yeah, Murphy's the one. Mm-hmm. Okay, good pick. I think I'll take an under with my next. I might be way off on this. It feels scary to pick an under so early, but I'm gonna take the under on Matt Weeders. Oh at... yeah, I I I I I had a sort of an argument. With, you saw you saw this argument. Where? I had a, sort of an argument with RJ about this. Uh, I think I think under is appropriate oh. on on leaders. Yeah, I don't remember the argument, but four years and sixty four million, and he did get a qualifying offer, and that just that seems like a lot for Matt Weeders. I mean, he could end up being worth that, but it's hard to imagine that someone's going to pay that for a guy who hasn't played more than half a season for three seasons and hasn't been worth one win above replacement since 2012 by baseball reference war and is very tall and that seems like a reason why he might not stay at catcher and obviously he had the tommy john surgery and has never hit the way that people expected him to hit at one time and really, I mean, he's never been more than... I mean, he's been a, a well-above-average hitter for a catcher in a couple of seasons, but nothing that would blow you away. And it just seems hard to believe that given his height and position and durability issues coming off the, the couple seasons that he's coming off with a qualifying offer, seems hard to imagine that he could get $64 million. I do think that a lot of teams war models are very similar to publicly available war models mm-hmm. and matt weeders over the last three years which is basically two full seasons worth of games has produced a total of two war he hasn't been an above average player since he was 26 mm-hmm. he has had the health problems and even if there was no tommy john based on his performance based on the fact that he's a cat a big tall catcher over 30 with his numbers, with his performance, I wouldn't expect much more, if more, than that projection, that that total for him. So then mm-hmm. the Tommy John is just 
like there's no there's no fat left to cut to mm-hmm. have that prediction be correct. Yeah, and the last few years he's been a below average framer, so it's not like there's some defensive thing he does spectacularly well that isn't captured in war. I don't think he shows up as like a great game caller or something. So I I don't know I don't know how he gets well, to Boris. He's Boris. He's Boris, and as Bowden mentions, there's the possibility of the pillow contract. And if, oh. if he takes the pillow contract, oh, then I really man. cash in. You are ice cold. <laughs> yeah. I don't even feel guilty about my next pick, man. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I am taking Ian Kennedy's under uh-huh. on the uh-huh. hope that he's a, you know, wakes <laughs> up. qualifying offer. <laughs> I mean, come on, bro. No one's <laughs> signing you. No one's giving up a pick to get Ian Kennedy. No one's doing it. You're playing. You're not playing till June, dude. Yeah. Take the QO. Take the QO. We want to see you play. We want to see you out there on the fifth day of the season. <laughs> so please play. Take the qualifying offer. Ouch. Fifth starter shot. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Ian Kennedy. Actually, no. Like legitimately, Ian Kennedy's projected predicted salary seems crazy high to me uh it's bowden has him at three years and 42 and even if i wasn't hoping he'd take the qualifying offer even if he didn't have a draft pick attached to him i would never give him that like <laughs> i i maybe i'm kennedy is what's going to late in the last might, week or so it's, i don't i didn't feel like i was low on ian i've always <laughs> liked ian kennedy like i definitely was i think i was that i was high on him when he got traded from Arizona and his career looked like it was practically over and I uh, I never realized I didn't like Ian Kennedy I liked him when he was on the Yankees a lot but it's not very good (laughs) and um, so three years and 42 million seems like a lot for a pitcher that I don't like and there is the possibility he'll take the qualifying offer and there is the possibility that he'll just get sucked into Stephen Drew land and never, never come back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if he has to sit out some time, then obviously he will get fewer dollars because he's and missing the guys time. who have, and the guys who've sat out time have both taken one years when they've done it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Okay. Good pick. Thanks. I think, uh, and I don't know. You might, you might differ with me here from me here, but. I think I'm going to take the under on Scott Casimir. And I, I, yeah. You, I, you like Scott Casimir, I know. I'm surprised. I was surprised at how low Casimir rated on a few of these, uh, these free agent rankings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then finally Keith's had him higher where I would have had him. And so I feel a little less insane. Uh-huh. But yeah, yeah so everybody's low on Casimir. Casimir's... Four years, sixty-six million, no qualifying offer because he was traded mid-season. So I can I can envision a world where he gets something like that. But yeah. there is a lot of pitching on the market this year, and Casimir's you know he's going to turn thirty-two in January, and given all of his issues in the past, I mean he's been. He's been good. Uh, he's been good. I mean, he was excellent, obviously, with Oakland this year, and then not so good with the Astros. And the way that he finished the season could potentially hurt him. And, you know, he's not a guy who 
goes in goes deep into games obviously and has the injury issues in his past and the being terrible issues in his past so i can see why a team wouldn't want to give that much money to scott casimir for that long a period i uh i actually had scott casimir on my list as an under as well huh okay so my pick i'm going to take another under and i'm going to take jeff samarja Hmm. Okay. Samarja is uh he's a what he's he I think I think Bowden had him one spot below Casimir. Is that right? Yeah, he yes. did. Mm-hmm. And he had him at four years and sixty two million. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, isn't it, that Casimir and Samarja are right next to each other. They're both projected to make more or less the same amount of money for more or less the same amount of time. And we both just took the unders. And Casimir was like a seven war player last year, and Samarja was zero point two. Yeah, it's a cr- and they're the same age, more or less. They're one year apart. It's kind of just crazy how guys get to the same spot mm-hmm. in their career. It's also crazy to think that next year they're going to be in two totally different places. They're, like this is so unpredictable. Baseball mm-hmm. players' careers are long, and they're so unpredictable. And there's so many points in a long career where you think a guy is gonna is about to do something else and then he does it. But Samarja I sort of feel like is is another pillow contract candidate. He is a guy who it's risky for him to do that, but he's a guy who um you know with a good year this year, if he went 17 and 9 with a 3.2 ERA, then he'd be in line for 100 million next year easily, I think. Mm-hmm. And he actually strongly reminds me of where Justin Masterson was last offseason, where he basically was uh, a guy who was coming off of, who had had a, you know, a few good years, was coming off of his, you know, probably his best year. And I guess Masterson, it was coming off his second best year. And then into his walk year, had his worst year. And basically everything was a disaster. Uh, he had changed teams. He was bad. The peripherals weren't as bad as the RA, but they weren't good either. And then he went out and he got, what, a one-year and $8 million contract or something like that, Hmm. basically by a team that was looking at him as, you know, a flyer, as a number three starter. And that's kind of what Samarja feels like to me right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was no real positive trajectory upward throughout the season. There wasn't really anything positive to take from it. And uh, and he is going to be 31 next year. He was a guy who... Basically started late, and uh, and now is kind of kind of getting a little older. So uh, I could see I could see a I could see a pillow contract. Uh, I could also see like uh, four and fifty two or something like that. Mm-hmm. Three and three and forty eight. Three and forty eight. I think I would see three and forty eight maybe from him if he goes multi year. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. All right. I think I will take... He's only, by the way, only one year younger than Kazmir. Yeah. Which, Kazmir seems old. Yeah. Well, Samarja seems young. Kazmir started young. He did. All right. So did you. <laughs> I think I'm going to take the over on Cespedes. Wow. Yeah. I think I'm going to do that. So he is projected for six years and 126 which is a a substantial sum, but he just feels to me like a guy who's going to get too much for one reason or another. He feels like a guy who 
an owner is going to want him more than a baseball operations department is going to want him. Like they'll think that he brings a spotlight or he's clutch or he is marketable and maybe he is those things. So center field. Yeah. He's center field. He stood in center field. He's the Shinsu Chu of this. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously he can play defense better than Shinsu Chu, but doesn't get on base like Shinsu Chu. But, but yes, the, same sort of idea. I just he just seems like a guy who's going to be closer to 150 somehow. Maybe it'll be a an additional year or something. So, I'm I'm just going to bet that he doesn't get under that and it's not going to hurt me and hopefully I'll I'll get a bit on the top. How old is he? 30. He just turned 30. Okay. Yeah, I that seems He's obviously coming off his career year and he's to me. power guy if you believe in the power scarcity. Is I mean, let me ask you this. Hanley Ramirez was 30 a year ago. Mm-hmm. Does there do you see a lot of daylight between I could definitely see him getting a you know 150 like mm-hmm. the the Chu Preston or also any you know any number of hitters. But like uh you know Hanley last year got 88 and I guess he was coming off. Uh, well, he was. He'd been injured that really phenomenal year he had in 2013, mm-hmm. and was a little brittle and no defensive home. But I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know why I'm comparing those two. <laughs> I just thought of a name. Just name the name. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the Bowden. <laughs> yeah, this is how he does <laughs> two it. Two guys. Two guys next to each other. Well, he got 88. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. But Bowden's last line, he seems to love the limelight and a big stage, and he can handle the pressure that comes with it. That just that just seems like some owner will think that and pay him too much. Dude, he was horrible in the playoff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure was. I'm looking at his playoff line just to make sure that it's as bad as I remember. <laughs> that one's bad. That one's bad. That one's bad. Yeah, they're all bad. Yeah. Uh, all he right. Was, he was a little banged up also but but yes not a good thing no <laughs> not a good thing mm-hmm. free agents to be a little banged up he's got those armbands though those he's neon strong. armbands i'd sign him mm-hmm. all right i will take the how many have we done i have done four four and i've done four okay mm-hmm. i will take the over on zach granky mm, okay i don't feel like his age is going to stick to him. I feel like there's the narrative around Zach Granke is is age proof. Mm-hmm. He is he is an extremely good athlete. He is extremely smart. Yep. He is not in any sort of decline. He has been very durable. Mm-hmm. He uh, is the kind of player who more and more people are calling the Greg Maddox of the era and Greg Maddox aged extremely well. And he's hitting, I mean, he's hitting free agency. Look, this is not a guy who had one good year. He's had a long career of excellence, of very goodness. But then he's hitting free agency with the lowest DRA we've seen in like 30 years mm-hmm. or second lowest or something. And so I just feel like you only need one. Mm-hmm. And I feel like six years in 186. Uh, is a perfectly reasonable figure, but uh, he'll get his seventh year, mm-hmm. and uh, he'll clear $200 million. Does his cerebralness translate to contract negotiations? Maybe his 
his intelligence helps him more as a he free agent. To, he wants to be a GM, so maybe yeah. he sees this as a challenge. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's miles better than Lester yes. was. And Lester got 150. Lester got six years, basically. Let's talk, because years is more important than dollars. He'll get more per year than Lester. He's a $30 million pitcher right now. It's very mm-hmm. easy for him to say, it's very easy for him to say, I am right up there with Kershaw. I am a $30 million a year pitcher. So now he's just got to convince you years. And Lester got six. Lester got six. Mm-hmm. Granky is miles better than Lester. So I think he gets his seventh. Okay. All right. Unless the the only fear I have is that he's so smart that he'll do the thing that I always want people to do, which is take fewer years for crazy <laughs> not, crazy money, uh-huh. and that and that he'll he'll take uh, like five and one eighty, which uh-huh. would be a push for me. But like he'll ask for five and one eighty, and I won't get the full cash out. Mm-hmm. Actually, if it's five and one eighty, I lose six million. Yeah. I'd love that'd be the smart thing to do though. I want somebody. He's the he might be the only guy in baseball who's smart enough. Harper is cocky enough, but he might be the only one who's smart enough and cocky enough. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Huh, okay. All right, well, you are playing at the top of the starting pitcher market. I am going to play at the bottom of the starting pitcher market, and I am going to take the over on Chris Young. And this is... I thought about having a Chris Young re- requirement, that each of us had to pick a Chris Young. <laughs> yeah, so this is probably not a place where I'm going to make a huge profit, but it seems to me impossible that I will lose money here and likely that I will gain. Chris Young projected for one year and $5 million. Yeah. And that seems very low. Very <laughs> I'm, low. I'm going off a an Andy McCullough tweet from uh, a few days ago where he said that the Royals were interested in a reunion with Chris Young, but the price must jump. He's looking for pay commensurate with his performance. Which is, has been good. His, I guess uh, every player is looking for that. But. When you when you think about how much we pay teachers, though. Mm. Yes, he's overpaid by that uh, standard. And and he knows. He's a, he went to Princeton. <laughs> he knows true. the value of teachers. Yeah. But Chris Young got to make more than that. It wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't be totally shocking if he got like 2 and 20 or something, would it? Oh, I, no, not at all. Right. So that could happen. Ah, it would be. It would be surprising. I'd go two and sixteen is what I'm looking for for him. Yeah, so, so I'd that's turn a tidy profit on that. Right, you're uh, you're you're a, you're a supermarket. You're just happy to take your two percent profit year over year. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. year after year, I should say. Yeah, and I think people have fully come around to the idea that Chris Young is weird, and FIP doesn't work for him, and what he does is is real in some way even though it's confusing and he looked kind of impressive in the postseason he showed that he could pitch out of the bullpen and suddenly strike out a ton of guys so he has the the swingman ability now also and he's just coming off two very strong years so i think this is the year that he uh makes more than five million dollars it's a good pick Thank i you. uh i envy it <laughs> okay I envy you. I don't envy it. Mm-hmm. Pick has no qualities going yeah. forward. I and, yeah, and I didn't feel like there were still any picks left on the board that were going to turn uh, dozens of millions of dollars for me. So this, this felt like the, the time to take the conservative pick. I've got maybe 
five more picks that I, I'd feel confident making. So mm-hmm. with uh, four to go between us combined, mm-hmm. feel okay here. I'll take the under on Daniel Murphy. Okay. For all the reasons stated <laughs> over and over. Uh-huh. <laughs> Loudly moments ago. Yeah. So four years, 48. Yeah. That's what it said. I mean, I feel like I, I, we had the discussion about, we had the discussion about a week ago about how much he would make. And I stated a number then, and it would be cowardly to not acknowledge that my number was lower than Bowden's number. Mm -hmm. And so I'll stick with it. I'm frankly disappointed in you. (laughs) For not taking that? For being a little cowardly. Uh Uh All right. Well, we've gotten to the point where I don't feel incredibly comfortable with any of the picks remaining here on the board. Kind of want to take the over on Jordan Zimmerman. Okay. I think I'm going to do that. He is projected for six years and 120, and he did get a qualifying offer. It's not crazy, but he is only 29, and I could see him getting a seventh year. And if he got a seventh year, then I think I'd I'd do well here. He's made made at least 32 starts for four straight seasons, and he's generally been good in those starts and uh i'm a believer so he's he's younger than some of the other top arms available and i could see there being more interest in him all right fun Mm -hmm. fun stuff yep all right i'm going to take the over on mike napoli Hmm. okay uh so napoli is at one year and i think nine million or maybe 9.5 hang on uh, 9.5. Oddly specific. Yeah. That's probably the best reason not to take the over. It really yeah. does feel like Bowden found an envelope somewhere. <laughs> Is 9. that the only 5. 0.5 he has on there? Hang on. 0.5. <laughs> no. Mark Lowe, one year 5.5. Uh-huh. Gerardo Parra. Oh, no, no. It is. Actually, they're 2 and 11. He has... <laughs> okay. All right. Parra's three years and 25.5. Uh-huh. That might that might just be strange, even more strange. Yeah. Specific. Uh, otherwise, that is the only other point five he has. Interesting. By the way, Ben, mm-hmm. I have a question for you. We were talking yes, we were talking uh, on Wednesday's show about uh, round numbers. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they're called round numbers in reference to the zero at the end of them, or are they called round numbers because it is as though the number has been rounded up or down, or secret option C, do you think we call it rounding numbers up and down in recognition of the roundness of the zero? I would guess rounded. Rounded. That it's because we round to them that they're called rounded numbers. Even with the... So you think that the idea of the crooked number is a post-round number, is is actually a reference to round numbers. It's just a response to round numbers. And that those two were not invented at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's just that's so baseball specific. Yeah. Ones and yeah. zeros are are not crooked. Good point. Yeah. All right. Uh okay, Ben. Uh Napoli, I d- did not bother to investigate his uh his injury or whatever he had that cost him playing time. And that could be significant because Mike Napoli tends to get some freaky injuries. But over the last 4 years, if you want to pick 4 years, he's 33 by the way. Mm-hmm. Nelson Cruz last year was 33 when he hit free agency. Over the last 4 years, Napoli, 115 OPS plus. Nelson Cruz, 119, almost the same. If you go the past three uh, years before free agency, 
Nelly Cruz, 121. Uh, Mike Napoli, 116. Pretty close. They're pretty close to the same player. Napoli's not as durable. Napoli had the uh, injury this year that cost him some time. He wasn't very good with Boston. But then he went to Texas, and he absolutely destroyed everything, as he does. He is a hitter. He's a constant hitter. He always will hit. And if you look at his wars over the past you know, three years, last year was only one, which isn't isn't zero by the way it's fine i mean that if you're a one war player and no and people know your name you're gonna get one year in 9.5 million you'll probably get two and 14 or something but one year last year 3.3 the year before four the year before that the dude is just a, a slugger and uh he's this is this is basically his last chance he's he's gonna be you know he's not gonna get a multi-year deal any time after this so i think that he'll uh be patient i think he'll go for the two-year deal and I expect he'll get two and twenty. I would be surprised. I think if he got that much, because he hasn't he hasn't hit right-handed pitching for. It a doesn't while matter. Now. I just he's gave like a, you his overall numbers. What right. does it matter whether? But there's a there's a trend. He's like a. I think he's seen as a platoon guy now, which limits him maybe. And he was. I mean, he was. Uh, he was essentially given away by the Red Sox. He was traded with cash. For cash, basically, or for a player to be named or cash, and he maybe and then what rehabilitated himself with the Rangers, probably. Yeah. But yeah, okay. Mike Mo- Mike Morris got two years and sixteen million a year earlier, mm-hmm. and Mike Morris is a worse hitter and a worse player in yeah. the same age. All right, am I down to my last pick, or do I have two more? Two more. Two more. Hmm. I'm gonna take the over. On Ryan Madsen. That was, that was going to be mine. Hmm, okay. So projected contract of two years for $10 million. Although Bowden then says that the average annual value is $14 million, which is not the way math works. So, yeah, two years, $10 million, And he is 35, and I didn't pitch for a few years before this most recent season, so... Those are reasons why he wouldn't get more than two years or wouldn't get more than $10 million. But he was really good, and he had been really good in the past, and so teams might conclude that he is now the same guy that he was before his injuries. And he's worth more than $5 million per if he's what he was last year. Yep. And that's I about mean, it. <laughs> it doesn't seem... Uh, I I have a hard time thinking he doesn't get 3-21. and 21. Yeah, I mean, he is... A little old get. and a little fragile for a long contract, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he had some other reliever getting. Well, he had Joaquim Soria getting three and twenty-one, and he had Darren O'Day getting three and twenty-one. And I guess I'd rather have O'Day than Madsen. I don't know if I'd rather have Soria. Maybe. Anyway, there's a lot of money in the game, Ben. Sure is. Table contracts. Mm-hmm. ML Bam. Yep. Good investments. Mm-hmm. Attendance. Yep. Cut four. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Last pick for me. I'm going to take uh, the under on, uh, I guess I consider this kind of a safe pick uh, more than anything, but I'm going to take the under on Austin Jackson. Okay. Who is uh, two and 20. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like Austin Jackson is like almost minor league contract at this point like in a lot of people's minds like he's i don't think he was on our top 50 Hmm. 
He has fallen uh, very far, very fast. He's fallen very far, very fast. He, you know, he's he's not he's not an average hitter. He's no longer uh, an excellent fielder. He does not any longer run uh, very much. He does not have like that. You can't point at him and go, "Well, we're building our team around X, and that guy has X." Mm-hmm. Doesn't have X. He's the opposite of a well-rounded player. I mean, I don't know. If, look, if my team signed him for two and twenty, I'd go. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, guys, he's twenty-eight. Guys have come back certainly from much lower depths than Austin Jackson. Uh, I don't know that he's not. I you know I I don't know that he's not worth signing for two years or whatever. Can contribute, but it just feels like he's completely forgotten. And he sort of feels like the guy who three years from now uh, we remember that we left him at home when we went on vacation mm-hmm. and he's just totally unsigned <laughs> like like Jim Edmonds. Uh, he's not as old as Jim Edmonds, obviously, but like, you know, Jim Edmonds or Jermaine Dye or these guys who just like they're good and they they're OK. They're pretty good. And then they go into the offseason and they just never sign. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Austin Jackson kind of feels like there aren't going to be a lot of rumors around him. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I don't know. Not a lot of buzz around Austin Jackson right now. Yeah. I don't know. I like watching him play. I hope he does. I hope he signs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the guy was basically on the bench by the end of the year. He, like, essentially did not play after the trade deadline. Yeah. And uh, he was healthy. He just didn't play. He wasn't good enough to play. Mm-hmm. He was a defensive replacement in a corner. Yeah. So. All right. My last pick. I don't want anyone. Ben did a good job. I'm I'm six picks in and I don't really pick a, don't really want pick anyone. Guy. Last year uh, you got a guy who retired, which was a nice way of just <laughs> holding the line. Who did just I pick get? a guy who will retire? Uh, Kuroda. Oh, yeah, that's a good good idea. Um, I don't know if there's a an obvious retirement candidate on this year's list. There's only I only have I think I only have one other. Said I had five, but I then I deleted, so now I don't remember. Mm-hmm. There's only one more that jumps out at me yeah. as a guy I would probably take huh. one, one way or the other. But even that, it's obviously it's my the one I'm least confident on. Oh well, Tony Sip at two years and ten seems low. That seems like an easy couple million. Tony Sip ain't signing for ten million dollars. Come on, <laughs> you're just handing me Tony Sip. Take Tony Sip, dude. Tony Sip ain't signing for ten million dollars. Tony like Sip is gonna be. Horse. There's going to be 12 teams trying to sign Tony Sip. He's going to get three years. He's going to get 18. Easy money. Hmm. He is a lefty. lefty. Rich Hill? Rich Hill at five? Rich Hill ain't signing for five million. You don't think? I'm, no. I have no idea what Rich Hill is signing for. I don't for. either. No <laughs> idea whatsoever. But is, look, there's some chance that they'll give me a team before the end of the <laughs> offseason. And I can promise you he's not signing for five million if that happens. Yeah. Tony Mike Sip. Mike Leak Mike Leak seems high to me. Eh, I, uh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's not a slam dunk. I wouldn't. Right. Like I also didn't pick him. Denard Span seems like a upside play. Mm-hmm. Like you could imagine Denard Span failing his physical and signing for five million. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he's an upside play at an under. Mm-hmm. Uh, could burn you, but seems like a. Uh, Probably not, but well, no. Estrada ain't, and Anderson ain't. Is anybody gonna? Is anybody any threat to take a qualifying offer besides maybe Estrada at this point? Probably not, and I think he and the Blue Jays are talking about a multi-year deal. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah. Is Ian Desmond a pillow contract candidate? It's possible. That'd, That'd be that... a huge, huge upside for you if you took the under on him and he did. That's true. And I mean, I think I think that projection five and eighty five seems about right. Mm-hmm. I don't think it so would be way over, downside, so there isn't right? much downside. Oh, uh, Chris Davis for I yeah, I missed. I yeah, Chris, Chris Davis, Davis at one twenty felt way low. Yeah, like he's on my I list. will. I think Davis signs for more than Cespedes. Huh. So plenty of good picks here. Yeah, I kind of kind of like rolling the dice with Desmond. That sounds fun. Yeah, <laughs> something to root for this off season. Hmm. Probably. I mean, when was the last time? Pillow contracts are not that common. I think. No, I don't. Pillow I contracts never really happen. I can't think of one since Carlos Pena. Yeah. So I don't know whether betting on the pillow contract is is that smart, but it would be <laughs> be fun if it paid off. That'd yeah. be the best day of my off season. Really? We're going to submit a book. <laughs> yeah. That'll be a good day if I'm happy with the book. Yeah, Chris Davis was on my list. So maybe I'll just go with Chris Davis. Six years and 120 qualifying offer. But sure, he seems like a seems like he could be a, a 150 type. He's got the most power of anyone on the list. So maybe that stands out to someone. So sure, Chris Davis. All right. All right. Fun okay. times. Yeah. God, I love the. <laughs> I love when ESPN just tells us what to talk about. <laughs> it's an hour show. It flew by. That's the fastest hour I've ever spent on this podcast. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. I wish he had worse picks so we could pick more players, but we're we're about tapped out here. So, thank you, Jim Wait, Bowden. Ben. Let yes. me ask you something. If mm-hmm. if we had to go, if you had to go through all fifty and pick over and under, mm-hmm. would you end up plus or minus? I'd say dead even, probably. I mean, I don't, I don't have any reason to think I'm better or worse at this than he is. Well, no, but the guy who gets to say over or under is at an advantage because yeah, that's true. Yeah, like if you had to pick, put the numbers, and then he went over under on mm. you. Mm-hmm. I would think he would win. I like. I think he'd be definitely plus. So you're asking if the advantage of being able to do that outweighs the knowledge gap between me and Jim Bowden? That's explicitly what I'm asking you. <laughs> Could not be more clear. <laughs> um, all right. I guess I'd say I'd I'd be better if I get to know what he picks. Yeah, I do too. Okay. All right. So thanks, Jim Bowden for our our most fun podcast of the year for us you can send us emails at podcast baseballperspectives.com you can join our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild and you can rate and review and subscribe to the podcast on itunes support our sponsor the play index at baseballreference.com use the coupon code bp get the discounted price of 30 dollars on the one-year subscription have a nice weekend We'll be back on Monday.